0: What I want to do is I want to read the first six verses. But this morning, as far as I know, I'm just going to be preaching verse number one. And so we'll stay right there. But I want to read six verses. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse number one, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits, And doctrines of devils, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry, and commanding to abstain from meats which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. Let me just stop right there because I'm not going to get into all this this morning. This will be for maybe a Wednesday night. Everything's going on here, but I'm just so thankful that I'm married and I eat bacon. <laughs> I just wanna I'm thankful for heather and bacon. And not always in that order either. There's <laughs> there's a group that said you couldn't get married and you could and you couldn't eat certain meats. Amen. And uh man, that is satanic right there, isn't it? Amen. And I'll dive more into that later in the weeks to come, but I just stopped right there. I almost wrote it in my Bible. Thank God for Heather and Bacon. <laughs> verse 4. For every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving. Man, there's so much I want to say about these verses, but I got I to go on. For it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. And we'll end with verse 6 for just this morning. If thou... This is to Timothy, right? Paul's writing to Timothy. and He says, If thou, Timothy, put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. And I don't pretend to think that I know my heart, but somewhere I believe in my heart somewhere. My motives may not always be right, but... Somewhere in my heart, I believe there is a desire that's in verse number six. I want to be a good minister. I want to be a good preacher. I want to be a faithful uh, Bible preacher. And Paul just straight up told Timothy right here, if you want to be a good minister, if you want to be a faithful Bible preacher, teaching right doctrines, you teach this right here, what I'm just telling, what I'm telling you. And so I plan on starting to do that this morning, verse number one. Let's read verse one one more time and then let's pray. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. I want you to underline that phrase right there, depart from the faith. And I want to deal with this, and I want to preach on this thought this morning, dealing with departures dealing with departures. If you've been saved any length of time at all, been in any church any time at all, you know what it's like to watch people walk away. And it's sad. So I've enjoyed the service this morning. I really have the testimonies, but this burden's been on my heart this morning. If I preach like I'm sad, it's because I am. If I preach this morning like I'm brokenhearted, it's because I am. I don't think anybody's happy about Departures. It's always a sad thing. It's always a somber thing. What does the Bible have to say about it? Well, let's look at this. Even just this first verse, there's so much to unpack, even just in verse 1. And I want to I begin right here. Let's pray God to help us as we look at, this, look at this topic this morning. Father, we love you. Lord, we're thankful for your word. And Lord, I pray that you would help us, Lord, this morning with this hard, tough uh, truth. But, Lord, it is truth nonetheless. And, Lord, we're commanded in the Scripture, Lord, as preachers, Lord, to remind our people of these truths. And, uh, Lord, I pray, Father, that you would help me be faithful to your Word. Lord, help me not to say anything that's not in the text, Lord, or being being, uh, expressed in the text here. Are implied in the text. Lord, I pray I'd be faithful to the Word of God. Lord, I'd be faithful to the Spirit of God. Lord, I know this is a tough message to preach on a Sunday morning, but Lord, I know without a doubt you put this on my heart for this, this very hour. And God, I pray that you'd help me and touch me and use me for your glory and do a work that needs to be done in somebody's life. There may be somebody sitting on the pew and they're about to leave. Lord, they've got one more, one more thread, just, just one last thread holding them here. And Lord, I pray, Father, that you do a work in their heart, reclaim them, and, uh, Lord, revive them, refresh them, renew them. Or, Lord, there may be somebody that, uh, Lord's walked away from all of it and, Lord's left us confused, scratching our head. And Lord, looking for answers. Lord, I pray that we'd find our answers in Your Word today, Lord, as much as is uh, as, as possible. And, uh, Lord, I pray, Father, that You'd get all the glory for all that's said and done. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. When we come to the epistle of 1 Timothy, we remember that it is a letter that is from Paul, he would be the older preacher, to Timothy, who would be the younger preacher. Timothy has been left in Ephesus uh, to pastor this work and to continue the work. Paul started it there in Ephesus. He was there a good while and then he left and some while later after there had already been some heresy and some division and some confusion all kind of things Timothy has been sent there to hopefully settle things down to get things pointed in the right direction and he is there and you can find from reading second timothy that it has been a Paul oh, t- taking a toll on young Timothy there. Uh, he has tears. He has anxiety. He has fear. And Paul is reminding him to be courageous and have courage and all that's in 2 Timothy. You can see that. But 1 Timothy is instruction. And when we came to chapter 1, it was a long time ago. I don't expect you to remember everything that we looked at, but if you'll look back at chapter number 1 and just kind of glance over the chapter, you'll remember that the very first issue that Paul dealt with in 1 Timothy in this first letter was the issue of false doctrine. There were people in the church that were teaching things that were not true. And this false doctrine was undermining the uh, gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, when you come to the end of chapter 1, there are two men that are named specifically. Paul is uh, pulling no punches. He is calling out names. He is tagging it and bagging, bagging it right here and just letting everybody know what's going on. He talks about in verse number 20, Hymenaeus and Alexander. In 2 Timothy, he mentions Hymenaeus and Philetus. And two men and even more obviously in the church preaching this false doctrine. And so he is dealing with these people. Verse 19 tells us that these people, they have made shipwreck concerning the faith. They have veered off course and they have shipwrecked their faith. 2 Timothy, I think it's chapter 2 possibly or 3, tells us that they have even overthrown the faith of others. And by the way, that's how it always happens. Uh, Some leave and it seems like they always take some with them when they go. And it's always that way. And so Paul, in chapter 2, after dealing with the roles of men and women in the church, and chapter 3, dealing with leadership in the church, he comes to chapter 4, it seems like he is coming back to the thing that he started with, back to dealing with people that veer off course concerning the faith and make shipwreck of their lives. Now verse number 1 starts in a very interesting way to me because we know that uh, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. We know that all Scripture is spirit-breed, that is, spirit-inspired. The Spirit of God moved on men of old, and they wrote down what God, and they spake and they wrote what God told them to write. This book that you hold in your hand, if you got a King James Bible this morning, I want you to know it is not the words of man, but it is the Word of God. And it does not just contain the Word of God. It is the Word of God. Because if it just contains the Word of God, then it might contain the words of men as well. It's not mingled. It's not mixed. It is not messed up, my friend. It is 100% from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. From the first verse to the last verse, it is the Word of God. And it has been breathed out by the Spirit of God. And you can rest assured that that is the Word of God you hold in your hand. And you run far away from anybody that casts any doubt on whether or not we have the Word of God available to us perfectly today because they are doing the devil's work. They're putting a question mark. It's exactly what the devil did in Genesis 3. Yea, hath God said. Do you really have the word of God? Do you really have it? So not trying to get off on all that, but I find it interesting in verse number one that Paul mentions that this is the Spirit speaking. It's been the Spirit speaking since verse number one, chapter number one. But he says, verse number one, now the Spirit speaketh expressly, It's amazing to me that Paul specifically wanted to know that this message specifically about those departing from the faith, that this is specifically straight from the Holy Ghost. Let me just give you a couple thoughts about, just by way of introduction before I get to the message here, about... Uh, about uh, about this idea of the spirit speaking in this message that he is giving i want you to notice the continual nature of this message the continual nature of this message i want you to notice the word speaketh and it's not it's not spoken uh, it is not past tense, it is speaketh. It is a continual action. What it's saying here is that is that the Spirit has has said it and He continues to say it. He continues to speak it today. The Spirit, even today, even right now, through the pages of the Word of God, He is reminding His church, and it's because in every age, and every every time, in every decade, in every church, in every moment, we need to be reminded of this message right here, that there will be some that will depart from the faith. The Spirit continues to speak to us. And that reminds me once again, let me get back on the Bible just for a second, that reminds me that what we have is a living book. It's not just what the Spirit has spoken, but it is what the Spirit is still speaking today. I don't know about you, but I love it when I open my Bible and God speaks to me that day. He gives me something fresh for that moment and that morning and that, and that opportunity that I have for the day. What a wonderful thing. It speaketh. It's continual. It's continual. That's a a great thing. The continual nature of this message. Just secondly, by way of introduction, I want you to notice the clear nature of this message. In fact, the word is used expressly. Do you see that? The Spirit speaketh expressly. That word expressly just simply means this. It means clearly. It means plainly. It means in direct terms. The Spirit of God's not beating around the bush. It's not trying to get at something in a roundabout way. No, the Spirit of God goes directly to the heart of the matter and tells us exactly what it is. What is it, Spirit of God? Speak to us, Spirit of God. Tell us what we need to know about this day and age that we are living in right now and every day and age that has ever been, uh, ever been lived in in the church age. What is going on? The Spirit says to us very plainly, Plainly, very, very, uh, very clearly, very directly, some will depart from the faith. I think that's a pretty clear message, don't you? It really doesn't need a lot of exposition about that. Some will depart. Not everybody that starts with you will finish with you. Not everybody that says they love Jesus today are going to be loving Jesus tomorrow. That's pretty clear, isn't it? Very precise. The continual nature of this message. The clear nature of this message. I thought about the consequential nature of this message. I want you to notice another little phrase here. I think maybe sometimes we we redefine it when we shouldn't. It says that the Spirit speaketh expressly that in latter times. I want you to underline those words latter times in your mind just for a moment. Latter times. Now Paul did not say last days. That's interesting. Can Paul use the term last days? Yes, he can. He does in 2 Timothy. He talks about know this... First Tim- or 2 Timothy 3.1 Know this, in the last days perilous times shall come. Men shall be lovers of themselves. Last days. Last days speaks of, uh, speaks of the days dispensationally that we are living in. The time from when Jesus came. Hebrews 1 tells us that these are these, in these last days as spoken unto us by his son. We are living in the last days. You say, well, Jesus said he was coming 2,000 years ago. Or let me rephrase that 2,000 years ago, Jesus said he was coming. Does that make sense? And where is he at? Where's the promise of his coming? Where is he at? Uh, I thought we were in the last day. We are living in the last days. These are, this is it. This is, there will be no other, there will be nothing. This is now to the end of this age right here. These are the last days that we are living in. But that's not the phrase that Paul uses, he doesn't say in the last days. If he were to tell Timothy, in the last days, some shall depart from the faith, Timothy would say, well, sometime in, the, in, the, in, the late, in a later time, at a later date, just like he said in, in 2 Timothy 3.1, later on in this dispensation, th- these things are going to happen. That's not what Paul says. Paul is speaking to Timothy about things that are happening at this very moment. Things that are happening in His church at this very time. Here's what that phrase latter time means. It just means at a later date at a later time. That's just, that's all it means, at a a later time, in these latter times. He's not necessarily speaking of the last days, but what he is speaking of here is that Paul is telling Timothy, Timothy, there are people in your church, and the ideas, and the philosophies, and the doctrines that they are espousing, and that they are teaching, and they are promoting, let me tell you where that ends up. Let me tell you where those people are going to end up. Here is where they're going. They're on the journey now. They're on the path now, but let me tell you where their path leads to, let me tell you where their journey ends up. It ends up in departure from the faith. That's what Paul is telling Timothy. In the latter times, in the latter times, at a later time, these people, uh, Timothy, that you need to deal with, that are preaching this false doctrine, if they stay on this, if they continue on this road, they will eventually just deny the faith altogether. It reminds me of a great lesson, a great truth that you need to tuck away for your life. And that is this, is that sometimes it's not always a thing that's wrong. Sometimes it's the end of a thing you need to consider. You say, well, what's wrong with that person? Why can't I hang out with them? They seem to be a good person. Uh, yeah, there might, be, there might be some good things, but, but, but instead of just looking at a person for who they are and where they're at, why don't you look at them and see where they're going? Instead of a group, instead of an organization, instead of a church, instead of a preacher, instead of examining, say, Where is that? I can think of some preachers that they've been going down the wrong path for a long time and they keep getting closer and closer and closer and closer to what is absolutely unbiblical and unscriptural. And people look at them and they say, Well, what's wrong with that? There ain't necessarily anything wrong. Listen, it's not always a thing where they're at, it's where they're going. And if you don't have enough discernment to figure out where somebody's going, then you need to get on your knees and pray and ask God to give you some discernment. There are some preachers that I don't yoke up with, and we might agree on a whole lot of things. There are some movements and some churches and some, and some, and some things that I ain't going to yoke up with because I can see where it's going. I know where it's going, and I don't want to go there. Amen. You need some discernment. Where's this going to end up at a later time? Amen. And then on on the flip side, there are some people they just haven't grown, and they love God, and they're humble. They may not be everything they need to be, but I'll be the best friend they ever got. You know why? Because I can see where this is going. Yeah, Yeah, man. Where's it going? Where's it going? And this thing of departing from the faith, Paul is speaking of the, the gradual nature of it, uh, of it as well. How it is, how it's a gradual thing. It's never sudden. People don't just wake up one day and say, I'm an apostate. <laughs> they don't wake up one day and say, I'm done with, I'm done with Jesus. I'm done with the church. I'm done with all of it. That's not how it works. It's a, it's a sudden thing. Paul says, Watch them. Watch them, Timothy, because here's where they are, but here's where they're going. You don't just jump from here to there. You don't just pass go and collect $200. It's one move at a time. Slowly. Slowly. And and people deny it, and they'll deny and deny and deny and deny until you look, and it is undeniable. It's always a slow thing that is happening. And Paul, through the Spirit's revelation, he looked ahead and he saw a group of people departing from the faith. And Paul was warning Timothy about that. Why do people depart from the faith? Well, some people just never have been saved. That's what John said, 1 John 2, right? They went out from us because they were not of us. Some people just have never been truly saved. Some are deceived by these seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. But they will be dealt with by God, no doubt about that. And what were these people forsaking? It didn't say they're going to depart from your church, Timothy. That's not what he says. He said, depart from the faith. What is the faith? Well, if you want to jump back to just one verse, go to verse 16 of chapter number 3. That's the faith. That is our confession of faith. That is the gospel. That is the the truth that we believe. The faith is that faith Jude said in verse 3. He said, is that faith that was once delivered to the saints that we contend for and that we fight for. It is a body of truth. Faith, the faith. When it talks about the faith, when the Bible says the faith, it's talking about the truth. These people have left what is true. That doesn't necessarily mean when somebody leaves our church, they're leaving the faith. And by the way, any church that teaches that if you leave us, you're leaving the truth. They're a cult is what they are. There are a lot of churches around here that preach the truth. Amen. There are. There's some good ones. There's somebody, I was hoping they'd come to church here, but I gave them some recommendations for some other ones. Amen. Just because I said, look, we're not the only church. There's some good church, there's some good men of God all around here and churches and good people of God and good congregations that for decades have been standing for the truth. We're not the only one. We're not going to get the Elijah syndrome and think we're the only It's me. It's only me. Amen. So when somebody leaves the church, you say, have they left the truth? No, not necessarily. But sometimes that happens. Sometimes people leave the church because they leave, left the truth. By the way, I think sometimes people depart from the faith and they stay on their pew. You don't have to leave the church to leave truth. There's some people this morning sitting on our pews. You've departed from the faith. You haven't departed from the church. These pe- By the way, the people Paul was talking about, they were still in Timothy's church. That's why he had to deal with them. They were on the pew, but they weren't espousing the faith like they were supposed to. These people, they leave the truth, and it's not just the truth, it's not just a doctrinal statement, but it also is a lifestyle that embraces the truth. You know that, that, that belief and behavior, they go together, doctrine and duty, they go together. Your, your doctrinal statement and your manner of life, they go together. Because if you just skip ahead, look at just verse number seven just for a minute. This will really come to light as we open up the verses that follow verse number one. He said this, he finally tells Timothy here, refuse profane and old wives' fables. That's the stuff that's not true. Things that are not the truth. A departure from the faith. He said, and exercise thyself rather unto what? Unto godliness. Unto godliness. What is the opposite of truth? It is ungodly living. You go to Titus and Paul told Timothy what sound doctrine is. What is sound doctrine? It's not a doctrinal statement. It's a manner of life. It's women living right, and men living right, and young men living right, and young women living right. You can sign our church's doctrinal statement, but if you live like the devil, you've departed from the faith. Amen. Everybody okay this morning? Don't you wish we had more testimonies? I'm kind of wishing we did. I waited a minute. I tried to give you all a chance. It'll be sweeter tonight, I promise. Y'all come back. Godlessness. In fact, even if you want to get technical about it, in verse number 16 of chapter number 3, when it talks about those things that concern the faith, it's not the mystery of the faith, it's the mystery of what? Godliness. Bad doctrine and bad behavior, sinful doctrine and sinful living, they always go together. They always go together. People do wrong because they believe wrong. If you ever want to know, why did I sin? It's a belief problem somewhere. Anytime you sin, thought you'd get away with it, it's because you don't believe in the holiness of God like you ought to. Right? Anytime you thought you've sinned and you couldn't get right with God, you thought it's because you didn't believe in the mercy of God like you ought to, and the grace of God, and the forgiveness of God. It all comes back to doctrine. What you believe about God, everything we do, stems from what we believe about God. If we'll believe right, we'll behave right. Departing from the faith isn't just is isn't just believing something else, but it is living a lifestyle altogether different. Verse 2, he says, these people are speaking lies and hypocrisy. They sit on the pews. They say they believe what we believe. They sing the same songs that espouse the doctrine that we're supposed to believe, but they're hypocrites and it doesn't bother them, they're able to do it. They can stand in a pulpit, or they can stand in a choir, or they can stand in a pew, and they can shake the preacher's hand, and they can do it without any reservation because their conscience has been seared with a hot iron. And that's what's going on. Let me say just a few things about dealing with departures. What does this verse teach us about this? Well, first of all, just very simply... These will, go, these will go fairly quickly, I believe, because it's just, it's just so simple. Number one, first of all, I want you to see this, that there is a reality to accept. I want you to notice there's a reality to accept. And that's just what he says here. It's just what, what the Spirit is telling us. Some shall depart from the faith. I can't think of anything else that has discouraged, that has defeated that has damaged the spirits of young people and young Christians. I can't think of anything more than when somebody they looked up to turns their back and walks out. Everybody all right? I'm tell you what, when we see teenagers, and they turn around and they turn their back on everything they've been taught they don't even realize there's a younger group of young people that are watching them. And it defeats them, discourages them. People in the pews, we can all think about people that used to be numbered among us. And again, I'm not talking about necessarily they left our church to go to another Bible-believing church. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about people that they literally, their lifestyle denies everything that they said they used to believe. I can't think of anything that discourages any more than that. What a discouraging thing. I know as a pastor, that is probably the one thing. If I had to name one thing, preacher, what's one thing that breaks your heart continually and keeps you up at night? That's the one thing. That's it. Not just people that have finally done it, but the people, like I said, that are on the path to it. They're already down that road. They're already headed down. And they don't even realize. They just think they're living their life, but they're actually going 100 miles an hour toward the destination that is departure from the faith. Everybody okay this morning? We can all recall somebody who used to be amongst us used to be numbered with us, and now their doctrine or even their manner of life, it denies the faith that they once professed, things they used to hold to, things they used to say was right and true and biblical. They no longer hold to those things anymore. And I'm not trying to be callous. I'm not trying to be hard-hearted. I'm trying my best. to. I, I want to be, be sympathetic toward all of us that have seen that and dealt with us. But can I tell you what the Scripture is teaching us this morning, and that is this, you might as well get used to it. Put on your big boy britches. Amen. Amen. Put them on. You might as well go ahead and hunker down because it's happened before. It's happening right now. It'll happen again. And as long as the church stays here on this earth, it'll keep happening and keep happening and keep happening. The Spirit speaketh it. It's continually going on all the time. I don't know who the next one's going to be. I don't know who in their heart, even sitting on, this pew, on your pew this morning, I don't know who it is that you're here, but you're barely here. You're on your way out. I've watched them. They get a foot out the door, then they get a leg out the door, then they get an arm out the door, and then they get their body out the door, and then all of them are out. Amen. Yeah. Hey, listen, young people. Hey, boys on the front row, listen to me. It happens. It's going to happen again might be somebody you love. might be somebody you look up to. I've had preachers that I look up to. They ain't preaching no more. I'm talking about I had people that were very, very intricate parts of my life. They don't even, they don't even go to church. Used to stand by on a pulpit and yell at me about being faithful to church, and they don't go to church. I'm telling you, it's a reality that you got to accept. There are hypocrites. There are casualties. There are deserters. There are forsakers. There are people that used to be amongst us, but now they are not. And can I tell you what you need to do? You need to accept it. You need to just realize it is a part of life and it is a part of the warfare that we're living in and it's a part of the day and hour that we are living in and it will always be a part of this way and you better look inside your heart and look inside your own spirit and you had better make sure that your faith does not stand in the wisdom of men but it stands in the power of God. You better make sure you can only know that one person's real. You can only keep one person. Person right. I can't control you. You can't control me. I have control of one person in this building. I don't even control my wife or to a large extent my kids and what they are on the inside. That's between them and God. I control one person. I control one preacher. I control one. And that one is Chris Simpson and I better make sure and you better make sure that your faith is real and that you are right and you're not just in this thing because of what somebody else has done for you. You better make sure you're in this thing because of what God has done in you. Because if God ever does a work in you, you can't get away. Because faithful is He that calleth you, who also will do it, being confident of this very thing, that He which hath begun a good work in you, He will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. You better make sure there's been a good work done inside of you. And the reason some people can walk away so easily is because they never got in to begin with. And I don't know who's saved, and I don't know who's lost, and I don't, even, even if I don't care how they're living or what they're doing. I'm not going to go around saying saved, lost, saved, lost. I'm going to preach the Bible. I'm going to tell you what the Bible says about saved people and how they live, and I'm going to tell you what the Bible says about lost people and how they live. All I know is that there's a day coming, my friend, when we will all be on that purging floor, and all that grain will be cast up, and the chaff will be driven away by the wind, and the wheat and the chaff, they will be separated my friend. Amen. There's coming a day when it will all come to light. You just better make sure you're real. You better make sure you're not in this thing because of somebody else. You better make sure you ain't got mama-daddy religion. You better make sure you ain't got grandma-grandpa religion. You better make sure you ain't got preacher religion. You better make sure you ain't got church religion. You better make sure it's real in you, and that way it's real in you, and it don't matter what the world does. Your favorite preacher, your favorite church member, your favorite Sunday school teacher, your favorite family member, they can turn their back on God, but you can say, though none go with me, still I will. Will follow because it's real inside of me. Amen. Yeah, you better make sure it's real inside of you. Hey, Amen. And while you making sure it's real inside of you, just know it ain't real inside of everybody. I don't care if Jesus is your leader, there's always a Judas. Amen. That never was real. There will be the Thomases and the Peters. that that'll, They'll wobble. If your faith is in them, they're, going to, they're just men. They're going to wobble. They'll come back and they'll help us and they'll be a blessing. But your faith better not be in them. Your faith better be in Him. Your faith better, better not be in me. You listening to me? Better not be in me. Better be in Him. There's a reality we must accept. Secondly, let me say this. that There's a reason that we must acknowledge. There's a reason to acknowledge here. What would cause someone who once professed Christ and truth to depart? Well, the answer is here. It's clear. It's expressly stated, right? Clearly stated. It's a tough pill to swallow. People don't like this. People want to come up with other reasons and other excuses, but... This is what the Spirit of God says to us. Look at that last part. What what happened to him? Giving heed to what? Seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Now listen to me. There is a satanic seduction trying to pull people away. And not only does the devil seduce. I want you to underline two words in verse 1 I did in my Bible. Seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. I underline those two words. Seducing and doctrines. Two words. Because not only in those spirits, it's lowercase s, that's evil spirits. That's, that's devils, right? It's the, it's, it says it, doctrine of devils, seducing spirits. Obviously, that's not a spirit from God. That's not God' spirit. He doesn't, sedu- he doesn't tempt man with evil, right? James said. These are, these are evil spirits. These are demonic devils. Now, I know some people think, well, that's just that's fairy tale, that's myth, or or whatever. And, and some people get far into it and want to study all of it. Listen, I, I think you get, I think you just need to acknowledge it's real and guard your mind and guard your heart and, and be filled with the Spirit of God, but you need to know that there is a demonic pool. People don't leave, and, and here's what they'll say when, when they when they leave and they get away, they'll say, that preacher hurt me. Those people hurt me. That church hurt me. And though I'm not denying that any of the above happened, preachers hurt people. Say, so how do you know? None of your business. All right, none of your business. Churches hurt people. Say, so how do you know? Well, <laughs> that's all of our business, amen. We're all in that together. We hurt each other. People hurt. By the way, that don't just happen in church. You don't think people in the world ever hurt each other? People are people. I don't care how save you Our Flesh is flesh, is flesh, is flesh. You're going to say something, do something, not say something, not do something, and you're going to hurt somebody's feelings every now and then. I tell you what that does, that wounded spirit, that offendedness or whatever whatever it may be. I didn't get called on to do this or I didn't get chosen to do this or I didn't get recognized here or whatever it is. The devil, he zeroes in on all those things. And then if there's not a situation, if you're just content as can be, he'll come to you and he'll make a situation. He'll give you a situation. He's like, oh, I never thought, you know what? Maybe I should have been recognized a little bit more. I never thought about that. Of course you never thought it. You think the Holy Spirit put that in your mind? No, it's called seduction. You know what seduction is, don't you? Right? It's when you entice, you lure, you deceive to to the intent of ensnaring and trapping. Fishermen put bait on a hook. Seduction. Fish don't bite hooks. Unless you're Jesus and you need some money to pay your taxes. You're Peter. Uh, Unless you get a stupid fish. I guess there are stupid fish that bite hooks. I'm, I'm sure there are. I don't fish enough to know. But I do know that if for optimal performance, optimal results, when you go fishing, I don't know much about fishing, but I know that you're supposed to put some bait on the hook. Why? It draws them. It entices them. It seduces them. Something that, And I'll tell you, the devil is the master of seduction. He absolutely is. Satan always comes around and he'll promise you something better. It happened in the Garden of Eden. That was the very thing. Eve, there was no problems. She lived in the Garden of Eden. There were no problems. It was absolutely perfect until the devil come along and, and convinced her that it wasn't. Until the devil come along. you Listen, you can be in a good church. You can be in a good home. You can be in a good marriage until the devil comes along and convinces you that it ain't. Hey Amen. He'll, he'll take a perfect situation, a perfect scenario, and he'll paint it in such a light where now somebody's holding back on you. It could be better. You're not getting everything that you could get if things were different. And that's what it was with Eve, wasn't it? Devil come to her, she's living in the Garden of Eden. Everything, the garden of God, everything she would ever want, it's all right there. And the devil somehow he can come and seduce her with the thought, with the notion, the idea that there might be somewhere out there, somewhere could possibly be something better than what God has given to me. And I'm just here to tell you, he's a liar. He's a liar. Amen. As the song says, headed for the lake of fire. You heard that song on the radio lately? It's stupid, and I love it. It's really just the stupidest southern gospel junk drivel stuff they put out. But I don't know. I enjoy listening to it. I turn it up. A bunch of mindless, doctrineless social, southern gospel junk. I love it. About the devil being a liar. Anyways, he seduces you. He seduces you with... Bunch of, bunch of stuff. But then that's not it. It's not just seduction, but then there's education. Doctrines of You know what doctrine means? It's teaching. That's what doctrine is it's teaching. Doctrine isn't just Bible doctrine, there's other doctrine too. There's health doctrine and math doctrine and English doctrine and all. Whatever, whatever teaching is in that subject, that's doctrine. Well, the devil, he'll be your teacher if you'll let him. His little minions will be your teachers if you'll let them. And here's what the devil does. He Here's how it works. Seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Here's how it works. Listen, don't miss it. I'm trying to hurry. He seduces you. There's something better. And then once you go over there into that, then he has to re-educate you. See, what your preachers taught you and what your Sunday school teachers taught you and what the Spirit of God's taught you from the Word of God, see, now it has to be changed. Because you can't, Live in what he seduced you to live in, and believe this at the same time. So now a re-education program comes on the scene. He begins to teach you the devil. It's not that the devil don't want you to believe anything. He wants you to believe things that aren't true, and he will give you a re-education. He will give you his. He's got his own doctrine. He will begin to teach you. Because in order for you to stay in that which you've been seduced to go into, you have to believe something different. And I've seen it happen so many times. Uh, this is, I mean, this literally, this literally happens all the time. They get seduced. They get drawn away. They depart from the faith. And then they start saying, you know what? Just all that stuff I was taught at church, all that stuff, I, it's just not true. It's just... I mean, can we really believe the Bible? I mean, it's just a bunch of man. It's just man's words. It's just it's just man's opinions, and and they have and they always come up with teaching. They always adopt a doctrine that justifies whatever lifestyle they want to live in. Now, isn't that convenient? Isn't that very convenient? That they can come up with a teaching, come up with a, a doctrine that. You know, I'm going to tell you what the devil will do. He'll supply you all day long with doctrine why it's okay for you to live in fornication and live in adultery and live in malice and jealousy and bitterness. If you don't want to get something right with somebody that hurt you nine years ago, he, the devil will give you doctrine so you don't have to. Said, say, well, they really hurt. They're supposed to apologize first, or maybe they've never really done this or done that, or it's okay, or they really hurt. And he'll just start, he'll just start teaching you what... He is a teacher that will teach you whatever you want to hear just as long as you don't believe the truth. And that's how it works every time. It's seduction and it's education. Really a re-education. And he will seduce you and he will draw you away. And Satan will seduce you to do something that's wrong and then he will give you a doctrinal system that will tell you why everything you're doing now is okay. Look up here. It ain't. He's a liar. This book, Let God be true and every man a liar. This book is right and it's always right. And how do people get caught up? How do people not see it? How do, people not get, how do people not realize what's going on? By the way, that's a part of the deception. You're deceived, but you don't know you're deceived. They don't know. They really think, because one of the teachings that the devil gives is this, is that this, now you're in charge. Now you're the boss You're on life. That preacher's not telling you what to do. That church ain't telling you what to do. That Bible's not telling you. That religion's not telling you what to do. Now, now you're the boss. And all the while, you're a little puppet on a string. He's got you right where he wants you. No, no, he's your boss. Those devils that got a hold of you, they're your boss. When people leave and depart from the faith and walk away, look at me. Look at me. It's not church hurt. It's not preacher hurt. It's not I got offended. It's not I just don't like it. It's satanic. It is literally satanic seduction and re-education. How in the world did that happen? Let me show you this. I'm about done. It said giving heed to seducing spirit. That's how it happens. If you will listen, the devil will talk to you all day long. Give heed. You know what give heed means? It means to pay attention. If you will listen, if you give him an inch, he'll take a mile. If you let him get a foot in the door, he'll be living in your bedroom before too long. That's why the Bible tells us in Ephesians 4 7 don't give place to the devil, don't give him a place. Don't even give him a place. Guard your mind. Because that's where the warfare is located. Protect your mind with the Word of God. All the time. Prove all things. Hold fast to that which is good. The Word of God. Miss Maddie, I want you to come around the pen. I got one last point, but I'm going to preach it while she's coming around. There's a reality to accept. People depart. It's just a part of it, right? You better make sure you're real. And not trusting anybody else because it's going to happen there's a reason to acknowledge what's that reason? satanic right? seducing spirits doctrines of devils but then let me give you one last one there's a remnant to appreciate now this verse is negative this whole, preach, this whole message has been negative and I don't mean like in a bad way we like negative preaching around here Amen. I we, we like it most of us do in fact, some people, I think, y'all don't think I preach hard enough sometimes, so I like that. And this is a negative verse in the sense of it's not talking about positive things. Not everything's positive. There are negative things we have to deal with and have to work through. Isn't that right? right. I can't think of anything positive about people leaving the faith. That's, there's nothing good about that. That's a broken, broken-hearted thought. But there is one little teeny-tiny glimmer of light. There's just one little teeny-tiny glimmer of light. Of, of, of light in verse number one and it's in one word and I want to point it out to you I circled it in my Bible verse one now the spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times here it is some Whew. I'm always looking for something positive I'm holding on to that right there there's a remnant ain't there in fact can I tell you something Not everybody's walking away. (laughs) Not everybody's a hypocrite. Not everybody, listen, not everybody is looking for a way out. Not everybody's giving heed to seducing spirit and doctrines of devils. And while the devil himself would love to put all your attention and focus on the departures, can I tell you something? Do not overlook the faithful. Do not overlook those that have been faithful. We don't put our trust in them, put our faith in them but we ought to raise a hand toward heaven and thank God Paul did that. Paul talked about demons that forsook him. Paul talked about Hymenaeus and Alexander and Hymenaeus and Phileas and Alexander the coppersmith. Paul called them out but he's got literally Romans 16 is a whole chapter of calling out people that loved him and prayed for him and supported him and was faithful and for every Demas there was a Timothy and there was a Titus and there was a Epaphroditus and there was all kind of people that were a blessing and a help. And can I tell you, have I watched people walk away? Yes. Are there people that have given up and forsake? Yes. No doubt about it. Will there be more? Yes. But for everyone that I know that was fake, for everyone that I know that's walked away, I can tell you ten that love God and that are faithful and that are staying with it. And while the devil would like to get you to focus on all them that are left, look around and see who's here and glorify God, not them, don't glorify them, but glorify God in them. A little boy was talking to his dad. They were looking out the window on a starry night. The little boy saw a fallen star. He said, Dad, 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 look, look. Look at that fallen star. And the dad said, yeah, son, but look, but there are all the millions of stars that are still shining. And I'll tell you what, it's so easy. Fallen stars, they are they draw our attention, don't they? But man, look. Look at all them ones that are still up there shining. And I thank God. I thank God. Yeah, have we had some fallen stars? Even around our... Yes, absolutely. Where there'll be more? Yes, there will be more. And as satanic strongholds become more prevalent and the devil gets more and more in it, listen, it's just going to happen more and more often. But can I tell you, there's some stars that are still shining for the glory of God. Amen. I thank God for that. I could stand people up in this building right here in this building. I'm not, we ain't got to go outside of our church to find some stars still shining. I'm talking about people that have been faithful, saved, and faithful to God for decades. 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, 60 years, 70 years, Ms. Pat, 80 years. Saved, 80 years, still shining for the Lord Jesus Christ. The devil won't put your attention on them, will he? And I don't care. Listen, and for pastors, it's the craziest thing. Listen, and for preachers and leaders and even that way for anybody that cares for people and tries to care for people's souls. Listen, it don't matter. Listen, if you've got 100 people in the church and 99 of them are doing good, that's good. But it's that one. I mean, that's the one you can't forget about. And that preacher gets up and he preaches to that one, even though there's 99. <laughs> i gonna tell you what. There's a remnant to appreciate in there. In fact, it says some. It doesn't even say most. It doesn't say most shall apart from the faith. It doesn't say all shout apart from the faith. It says some. That's a minority. When the devil rebelled in heaven and drew a crowd out of heaven, listen, he only got a third. You know what that means? God has twice as many as the devil's got. I'm going to tell you something. Look, it may look like Satan is on the upper, has the upper hand. It may look like he's leading the game. It may look, but I'm going to tell you something. Everybody look up here. I'm done. We're on the winning side. Yes, sir. This is the best side. And one day all the tables will turn and the devil will be exposed as the liar and the cheater and the fraud that he is. And there'll be a lot of people really disappointed yeah. that they were seduced by such a, a weak, pathetic creature compared to our God. So you know what we need to do? We need to stay faithful. And we need to stay focused.